their day to serve you, a chance to sing your praises, sit around the table with you, be reminded of your incredible love for us. May we not miss your presence here with us this morning. Open our hearts and our minds. Speak to us throughout worship, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 9. It's a fairly familiar story, uh, but I do have a question beforehand that I want you to think about. And I'm going to start in the sermon. I'm going to ask the balcony for their answer first this morning. So the balcony needs to be, yeah, I'm getting some unlikes from the balcony. Uh, the, The question this morning is, what do you do to resolve stress in your life? How do you deal with stress in your life? Our scripture lesson this morning is a a story of Jesus working an incredible miracle. And I think too often we miss the point because we're focused on the wrong thing. So you want to read very carefully this morning with me as we read together in Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 10. I got to get my glasses on, sorry. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. He replied, you give them something to eat. Let me say that again. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Would you please? Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week, we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy. So, I know what that means. That means that you have worked yourself into that wonderful spot. That glazed look. look. So, you're going to have to work with me here this morning. And, of course, our first question, right, was how do you deal with stress? Balcony, how do you deal with stress? Eat. Who said eat? Eat. Lori? No, Michelle. I'm with you, Michelle. How about down here? How do you deal with stress? Pray. That's a good way. Now, see, now that's a religious person. We're not. Get Oh, jeez. For those who couldn't hear, he made some comment about the presidential race, so we'll just ignore that. Uh, anyone else? How do you deal with stress? Exercise? Music? Yeah. Hockey, yeah, yeah, that's kind of exercise. For some hockey players, that's exercise. Anyone else? You talk. <laughs> Kenny talks to deal with stress. All right, somehow that doesn't surprise me. Well, this morning, uh, yeah, uh, 
I know a lot of people who deal with stress with food, right? I, I call it, I can make this work. Ah, there it is. I call it food therapy. Now, I was amazed because, see, I was all excited to talk about food therapy, and I, I went on the Internet and started looking at food therapy, and they were talking about eating fruits and vegetables so that you feel better. That wasn't the kind of food therapy I thought of. Because, you see, in my mind, the best thing for stress or depression or joy, you name it, is... Can't, Ike, a clicker that works. What's wrong with this clicker? There it is. There it is. There it is. Yes, a banana split solves all life's problems. Of course, uh, we all know that it's only a temporary fix. Um, and, and really, it's, it's not about the food, is it? Um, this is going to drive me nuts. <laughs> no, I think I had a little help. Uh, so it's really not about the food. I just want to be clear about that this morning. It's really not about the food. We talk about food for thought. What we really want to do is think this morning and not just think about food. I know I started in a bad place. It's going to be difficult. That's why I put the broccoli up here to help me refocus It's not really about the food. You see, in this morning's passage, we frequently read this, and we think it's about the food. And and, uh, I'm just going to give up on this. So you guys have to listen without images today. I know that's difficult, but I think we could do it for one second. Yeah, we're going to go retro. Uh, in, In this morning's passage, it's really not about food. Did you notice that Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God? It's really about the kingdom of God. It's not about food. It's about what's happening in the kingdom of God. And Jesus has been talking about these things. He's healed some people, but he wants people to be aware of what's going on in the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God really about? What's going on in the kingdom of God? He wants you to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's an awesome kingdom. And especially in these days, when being a citizen of the United States can be grueling and sometimes embarrassing. It's a wonderful time to remember that we have another citizenship, a citizenship in a kingdom about which we should not have to be ashamed. However, there are those times, aren't there, when we see parts of those who claim to be, anyway, part of the kingdom. And maybe once in a while when we don't act as the citizens of the kingdom should. And so as we think about the kingdom of God this morning, I pray that first of all you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you are, I want you to know that when you do not act like a citizen of the kingdom, the king does not kick you out. That's good news. The king welcomes you to his table again and has you sit with him and listen to him again and be reminded of his love. Be reminded of the sacrifice he made for you to restore you to the kingdom. I'm, remember, I'm, I'm reminded, I don't have time to share all this, but I'm reminded, uh, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> 
I'm reminded of King David when he took over the throne. And you remember he wanted to find someone from Jonathan's family. Do you remember that? And he found that there was one child uh, still living. After the war and after all that mess, uh, there was one child of Jonathan still alive. And so he took that child into his house and sat that child at his table. Now I want you to think about that. Because Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul had been king. God declared David king. Right? You remember this? When David assumes the throne, traditionally, the new king would destroy the old king's family. Why? Because any offspring of the old king would be heir to the throne, supposedly. And so, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, stay with me. So there was Saul, there was Jonathan, and Jonathan's son, do you remember his name? Mephibosheth. Yeah, it's a good name, Mephibosheth. He lived. Can you imagine Mephibosheth when he hears, hey, King David wants you to come to his house. I I could think all all Mephibosheth must have been thinking was, oh, this isn't looking pretty. And then can you imagine when he got there and the king said, Mephibosheth, I'm glad you came. Come sit at my table. That's what God does for us. You understand that, right? We were enemies. We were his enemies. We had turned against him. If you've ever sinned in your life, you had actually turned against God. And yet God welcomes you this morning into his house. And invited you to sit at his table with us. Isn't that awesome? That's the God we serve. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And as he's talking about the kingdom, the disciples, the 12 disciples, the 12, those who were closest to Jesus, as Jesus is talking about the kingdom, they are thinking about the banana split they saw at the first image. They're thinking about food. And they're looking at this crowd. And they're saying, Jesus, what are we going to do? Look, there's all these people. Send them home or send them away to get something to eat. Maybe spend the night. We'll do this again tomorrow. And Jesus looks at him. And what did he tell him to do? We said it together, right? Or we said it twice. I said it twice. Say it with me. You give them something to eat. Say it with me. You give them something to eat. You. You. Now, I can imagine that Matthew at that point is sitting there counting, and he's saying, now, Jesus, there are 5,000 people, and there are 12 of us, and if you put 12 into 5,000, what do you get? 416 plus, and Matthew being a tax collector, my guess is his, his mind was running numbers really quickly, 416 plus, Jesus, how, I can't afford to feed 416 plus people. How is this going to happen? This, Jesus, is impossible to do. We could... Try to go buy food for him. Now, I don't know how that was said. I read that straight. But I wanted to say, sure, Jesus. Yeah, we'll just go buy food for all these people. We got five loaves and a couple fish. And yeah, it won't cost us much. Just our lives. (laughs) Yeah, How are we going to do that? That's impossible. The neat thing about God is that God continually calls us to do the impossible. Did you ever notice that? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what you need to be aware of is that every day Jesus is confronting you with something new and frequently in your mind 
it's impossible. How can I deal with that person at work? They're impossible. How am I going to put up with the situation at home? It's impossible. The doctor said, you fill in the blank. The doctor said, and it's impossible. What's amazing is we serve a God who dwells in the impossible to make it possible. And if you would allow him to come into your life and move you and direct you, you'll begin to see him do the impossible in your life. It's amazing. Have you ever read the scriptures? The scriptures are filled with stories of people who are asked to do impossible things. Abraham. Abraham called by God. Abraham is called by God to go to a place he doesn't know, to a people he doesn't know, to share and and to live. And Abraham gets up and goes. I mean, this is nuts. If God called you today and said, listen, I just want you to go. When you go home today, don't go home. Instead, take a right out of the driveway here and go, and I'll show you where to go. And you're going to live somewhere else. Don't raise your hand, but I want you to think how many of you would go right out the driveway and go wherever he wanted you to go? You see, if you're like me, you're thinking, but, but God, there's, there's things that have to be done before I can go, and there are people I need to talk to, and, and, and what about my job? And, and what about the the complications of family and 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 what about finances how how am i going to do that i get excited when people call god or when god calls people people sometimes call god that's a different story but when god calls people to follow him in ministry and they'll go places you never expected people would go and they'll do things they never expected they would do why Because they believe in a God who can do the impossible. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, it's interesting to me that he says you. And and when he he says you, by the way, that's plural, right? He didn't ask just one disciple. (laughs) Hey, Matthew, come here. Come here. I want you to give them something to eat. This is what he said. Y'all... If he was from the south, if he was from South Judah, he would have said, y'all give him something to eat. What he's saying is, you together give them something to eat. Now, what's interesting to me about that is that the disciples then listen to Jesus and Jesus gives them some instructions, right? Sit them down in groups of 50 and when I give you the food, you hand it to them. Okay, well, I can help people sit down in groups of 50. I I mean, it's beyond my fingers and toes, but if I have a couple others of me, like five more of you with me, we can count out 50 and we can sit them down in groups of five. I mean, 50. Five groups of 50. No. Thank you, Kenny. A hundred groups of 50. And, and, and so they, they can, that's something they can do. So they immediately begin to do that. And then Jesus begins to hand out the bread and the fish to those disciples. And those disciples quickly are handing it out. And they're handing it out as fast as they can. And my guess is they're saying, it's going to run out any minute. So take what you can get. 
<laughs> and they're handing it out just as quick as they can. Hey, Jesus, I need a little more. Oh, yeah, okay, here. And they're handing it out, and they're handing it out, and they're handing it out. And as they hand it out, it begins to multiply. And God begins to use them, Jesus begins to use them in a powerful way. Why? Because they began to work together. You with me? They began to work together. And as they worked together, there was more than enough. We live in a world today where where people are thinking that spirituality is all about me. It's all about me. As a matter of fact, when we read the scripture, we think we frequently read the scripture. This is supposed to be for me. And we read the promises of scripture, and those promises are for me. You ever read them and realize that, that you don't always see those promises fulfilled in your life? The truth of the matter is, most of those promises are for us, not for me, for us. And the reason why we don't see them fulfilled in our lives is because we've decided that God is going to bless me. And so I'm waiting for God to bless me. And God is calling us to bless one another. And as we begin to do that, we see God's blessing, not just in my life, but in your life. And as I see it in your life, then all of a sudden I get excited that God can actually work in somebody's life. And if he can work in somebody's life, he can work in my life. And one of the best things about our prayer and praise time, and some people, I know it's sometimes hard, prayer and praise time, if you don't know people, and it's like, okay, who are they, who are they talking about? And I don't know these connections. And I, listen carefully to what God is doing in the midst of the prayer and praise time. Because God is healing people, changing people's lives, calling people. And when you listen, ask God, okay, God, here I am. What part do you want me to play in this prayer request? You see, frequently we ask God to do things. Jesus, uh, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital and they need to be comforted. Please send your comfort upon them. Amen. And then we go on doing our own thing. Do you ever stop and think when you're praying and asking God to send comfort to someone in the hospital that maybe God would send you to go to the hospital to bring comfort, his comfort, to them? We ask God, we, we pray for God to do things. God, do this, do that, do the other thing. Uh, that's great. God wants to hear our needs and our concerns. But every once in a while, as a matter of fact, more often than we think, he's saying, hey, that's a great idea. Why don't you go and be a part and watch me work in the midst of it? When we were in Lamore Falls. There was a lady that was full of ideas, great lady. lovely lady, loved the Lord. She had more ideas than anybody I ever knew. She also knew exactly who would do the best thing to make that idea happen. And so for a number of years, she would come to people and say, hey, I had this idea. I think you'd be great at that. And she'd send them off. And for a while, people did it. And then one day, somebody looked at her and said, you know, you've had a lot of great ideas. What do you say you do this one? (laughs) And she did. I mean, she loved the Lord, and she was glad to, to be a part of that. But, but it, it made me stop and think, when I pray, do I have lots of great ideas for God instead of listening for God's ideas for my life? Maybe he's calling us to move beyond that. Um, he says, you give them something to eat. You, the body of Christ, you together, you give them something to eat. You're making a difference. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say, you are my body. 
You are the body of Christ. You are bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to this world that's lost. And this world needs some good news. When people see you coming, do they see good news? (laughs) Or do they say, oh no, here they come again. I hope they see good news in you. That you're offering to them the hope and the love and the joy that Jesus brings. You see, Jesus then took this bread and he broke it. Scripture says he lifted it up first and he gave thanks, just like he would do on that Last Supper. He gave thanks for the bread. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Then he handed it out and everybody had enough to eat. As a matter of fact, the, the name of the town is Bethsaida, which means house of satisfaction. I love that. Isn't that the God we serve? He, he, he gives us so much that we are satisfied. But the best thing about God is he doesn't just give you enough to satisfy you. He gives you enough to be left over. <laughs> the disciples get done. I can imagine. Hey, I, I'm pleased with the disciples. They actually cleaned up afterwards. Isn't that a good, that's a good thing. They're showing that they, they want to be good and, and, and uh, good stewards of, of, the, of the, the environment there. They actually picked up after themselves. And as they pick up, they start picking up these pieces. And they've got, they've got their baskets, and they're picking them up, picking them up, picking them up. You got any left over? Yeah, we got a few pieces left over here. Okay, we'll, we'll throw those in this basket here. And, and before long, they had 12 baskets full. You see, when you start following Jesus, expecting him to do the unexpected in your life, when you start following Jesus with other believers, then God provides not just enough for you, but some leftover. Now, I don't know what you do with leftovers. Sometimes in our house, we put them in the refrigerator until they go bad, and then we throw them out. It's a place to keep them cold, so you have to throw them out. Uh, But... But I've, I've been trying to be more faithful in eating those leftovers. And, you know, sometimes they're good. And it's kind of fun to have a real meal for lunch instead of grabbing a sandwich or whatever. And it's, it reminds me of the meal before. And, and it's so good. You see, Jesus offers us just not just enough, but enough leftover. And that leftover can be shared with others. And shared with others. And shared with others. You see, it's not about the food. It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God at work in our lives. Doing the impossible. Together. With his provision. More than enough. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for our time together. Uh, Thank you for providing for us this morning. uh, So that we could sit around your table be reminded of your love, uh, be drawn to you. Come, Lord Jesus, and uh, draw us to you, for we have many needs in our lives. And the greatest is our need for a relationship with you. That's why we come to the table with such great expectation. That's why we gather in worship, because we need to meet with you. That's why we come with one another, to open ourselves up to your word because we need you, Jesus. Our world needs you. So, Lord, help us to come to you this morning and offer ourselves.
as we close in worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.